This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two recently carved pumpkins with minds of their own, Nick White. Hey. And Kate Lamphere. Hi. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm very excited to talk about comic books with you. This is episode 259. You know, we never say the episode number of our show in the show. And I don't know if people find that weird or if they find it calming. That way they don't have to worry about it, whether or not they're listening to the latest episode or not, despite us announcing the date when comic books come out. I'm always curious about that. So send us a message, you know, on Instagram or Twitter at IRCB Podcast. Let us know what you think. But I'm here to ask the question that I ask every single week. How have you been? And how have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick. Uh, you know, things things have been fine. Um, I mean, mostly. Uh Comixology has somehow found a way to you know, they've they've managed to break through my the the signal intercepting abilities of my normal normally effective tinfoil hat. Uh and they've been reading my mind um for the proper sales recently. And mm-hmm. I mean well, your months and weeks of complaining directly to me yeah. have finally paid off. Yeah, and it's like anyone would be like, Nick, Occam's Razor would suggest Comixology is not going to go through all these steps to figure out you know, what you want. But uh, when you see me get out of control on Comixology, uh, it maybe, maybe makes sense that, that they would try to figure that out. So recently, um, the sales have been really good, which of course is bad for me. Obviously, one of the things that I've been sort of trying to round up my collection on is more BPRD. So, right, getting more of that, and I've been rereading the first big omnibus of that again, uh, even though it's like very end of world apocalyptic centric. And like, I got about an hour into that last night, and then said, I don't know tonally if this is what I want, but also like I'm halfway through this, so why stop now? <laughs> so i mean beyond that i've i've also been reading rye i read rye uh three through five this is the series that technically began all the way back in 2019 uh dan abnett's writing it juan jose reap is drawing it uh andrew dollhouse is doing the colors dave sharp is doing the letters um i know this isn't a hot take it's probably a tepidly warm take at best um it's also one that i'm not so sure if i've gotten on this specific soapbox before i think i've gotten on an adjacent soapbox i guess um but rye is basically the best book valiant is putting out right now um you could say like how fierce is the competition nick uh you might ask and the answer is it's not it's it's not fierce at all, but in the kingdom of the blind, the one arm, the one eyed man is king, and uh, Rye happens to be Valiant's resident cyclops in that regard. Uh, the strength of this book really is that it's basically what if Elysium, for those who remember that movie. Um, that was where uh, you had Matt Damon and Charlotte Copley, um, who you also couldn't understand. Uh, in this movie either uh what if that crashed into mad max basically you have this perfect society in space and it comes tumbling down and smashes onto the surface of earth which at that point was basically a wasteland um and it, it more or less allows for anything to happen in any given issue because you have this society from space which had like the most advanced technology and these crazy experiments and wild stuff going on 
And you basically combine that with the resource wars and bandits and danger that comes with living in a post-apocalyptic society. And so, uh, hey, do you want to have an issue where you have dinosaurs roaming the earth that are equal parts flesh and equal parts machine, but they're still 100% deadly? Sure, why not? That's going to happen. Do you want to deal with Rye being trapped in this smart house that was built thousands of years ago, um, but the AI inside has been, you know, doing the upkeep and cleaning it and taking care of it for like thousands of years, but it's been driven mad by the fact that there's nobody in the house to look after. Yeah, sure. Let's do an issue about that. Um, It's crazy. Like the core conceit of this book is so cleverly open-ended that almost anything is on the board. Like anything is possible. Um, I really, really love that. So it's basically Lone Wolf meets Lone Wolf and Club meets X-Files and like the 22nd Valiant summary is uh, this builds on 4001 AD, which is where Valiant went into the future. New Japan is formed. It goes into space. Basically, they get in a war with Earth. They destroy Earth. New Japan becomes this wonderfully technologically advanced utopia. Earth basically becomes a scorched wasteland. New Japan turns out to be corrupt. This thing running it named Father is this corrupt AI. Uh, His basically enforcer named Rai figures it out, destroys Father, and New Japan crashes into Earth, and that's 4001 AD. And that basically set the scene for this with Fallen World also being done by Dan Abnett preceding this new version of Rai. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I tried. I tried to encapsulate it as quickly as I could. Um, But yeah, so now you've got Rai and this assistant of his called the Raijin. I won't get into that. That's a very complicated thing. And they're basically trying to stop Father, that AI from New Japan, because Father has found a way to reconstitute a new body for himself. And now he's trying to... He basically backed himself up into... Um, 12 different places in New Japan that have now crashed into Earth. And if he can more or less recover all of his backups, um, he'll be unstoppable again. So it's basically Rai traveling across this wasteland. Each issue is a different adventure, encountering different things and different people. And it's just super wild. And like I like that because it feels a lot like X-Files where, sure, there's like a big overarching plot, but it's largely episodic. And so one week you might deal with Bigfoot and the next week you might deal with aliens. And the next week it's a sea monster. And I feel like episodic storytelling is so not in vogue anymore compared to serialized right. storytelling, which is like, if you, these days, if, if you're not doing serialized storytelling, people are like, Oh, what is that program even? Right. So, well, I mean, kind of, it depends. That's, that's a whole other discussion. No, let's that's open that up. Discussion. Let's have that discussion. We'll do this podcast <laughs> another time. Who cares? Um, it's just interesting to see that type of storytelling going on because I feel like it's not in vogue overall right. these days. Right. So well, especially when you're doing a capes book, like a superhero book. Yeah, no, completely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's a great book. It's so very much in the vein of old Valiant that I'm kind of surprised that Valiant's even letting it really happen. I think it's really just because it's kind of in its own sandbox as a universe mm-hmm. 2000 years in the future that valiant was kind of like 
just let Dan Abnett do what he wants. Like he can't affect or impact the sort of things we're, you know, largely trying to do. So, right. Right. Um, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. I think Juan Jose Reap is always at home when it comes to telling like stories that get very violent at one point or another. Uh, and I think that's because, um, I think he was on, oh boy, watch as I'm wrong. I think he was on crossed at one point. And so, um, Jason Burroughs. Yeah. Or no, excuse me. Uh, Juan Jose rip, I think did some of that. Yeah. I don't know. I was a person that read that for a little while, but you know, I think it was Jason Burroughs who did. Cause I was, I just got him and, and, and Jason and Jason Burroughs mixed up in my head. Cause I was thinking, Oh, isn't he on the 40, 40 K book that Kieran Gillen is doing? But no, that's, that's Jason Burroughs. So yeah. Um, Juan Jose rip did like, he's done a bunch of different, he did no hero in black summer over at, um, at, uh, avatar with warren ellis so it's like similar fucked up stuff uh yeah no he 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 did some crossed stuff apparently i'm seeing it now but anyway yeah either way he's very much First at home doing TV. violent stuff but yeah yeah gotcha well kate what about you how, how have you been what kind of comics you've been reading um, well, I've been sitting on my couch or in front of my computer for the last seven months. And yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yesterday I had to do some yard work, which involved using like muscles or what is left what? of my muscles. So now my what entire body hurts. Um, oh so- my God. <laughs> I don't know what those are. I expect a report later because I don't <laughs> yeah, really yeah. understand. Well, I don't Send me the Wikipedia link. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I have been reading some comics and I recently read Tea Dragon Festival uh, number one and two, but they are they are OGNs, not like single issue comics. So it is a series. Um, and these books are maybe like uh, 150 pages, I want to say. So when I say number one and number two, it's the order in the series. Anyway, yeah, um, these are by Katie O'Neill. And I don't know if like perfect is too strong of a word to use when analyzing <laughs> comics um uh-huh. but if there are perfect books these are it <laughs> for me okay. at least uh these these have like lgbt characters there are there are dragons in them um and there's tea so uh yeah this is uh, my wheelhouse uh completely um <laughs> <laughs> uh these are these books are definitely for kids <laughs> okay but you know what <laughs> you know there's nothing wrong with reading a book that is just happy and warm and makes you feel good you yeah. know there's nothing wrong with that yeah um so uh so in su- in summary the uh the dragons are basically like cats like they they all have their own uh like like subspecies and and personalities and the dragons like grow the tea on their bodies which sounds really strange but like it's like like cats have whiskers like instead of whiskers they grow like tea and the humans like they're they're very like needy like pets basically um so the people around them i said humans but they're not all humans there are like non-human like speaking characters in these books um okay which hasn't really been addressed yet, but uh, like basically, you take care of these creatures, and eventually, they they flower, and then you can pick the flowers, and the flowers are their tea, and like they don't talk about like the economy of this dragon tea, but it's got to be super rare because it's implied that there are only like a couple of tea dragons left in the world, um, 
And considering the amount of care that they require, um, I have to imagine that this tea is like, I don't know, extremely expensive. It would make these very small, like in the middle of nowhere villages, extremely rich if they were to sell a bag of it. But instead, they just like make one pot of tea and like share it with the whole town. Anyway, um, so the the art, like I said, it's very cute. Um, It's very quaint. Uh, There there is a subplot in volume one about the girl who is just finding out about these tea dragons and getting really into these tea dragons. She's also studying to be basically a blacksmith like her mom. And she's trying to decide if she wants to continue this like family tradition that's like this this art is dying, um, similar to how there aren't many tea dragons left. So there is like a, a parallel in that. But this whole book, I'm thinking like this girl is clearly like kind of in love with this like tea dragon thing, but then she's also studying to be a blacksmith. And it's like, okay, which which rare dying art is she supposed to choose at the end of this? Or is, does she have to choose? Like, mm-hmm. um, but this blacksmith subplot kind of felt like it was like like smushed into the story. It's only mentioned two or three times. Um but I, I think that it ended nicely. It just it just felt kinda forced. Um Gotcha. And, and I just want to mention that Tea Dragon Festival and Tea Dragon Society aren't in chronological order, like in in the world um, building, because the there are characters who are like kind of elderly in book one that are like in book two. It is part of their like adventures as they were, you know, young adults or whatever. Um, so that's kind of strange reading it, like because it's not building on the first story i guess but i mean i would still read them in release order because just because of the the way that the world building is set up like like dragon uh tea dragon society which is number two isn't really like written as a filling in the world building for you like like the first book does if that makes sense (laughs) yeah yeah this this all sounds to me like that tabletop game ryutama and that now all I want to do is play a game where a series of adventurers are just trying to find tea dragons and collect their tea leaves, but yeah. in like a nice way and like be friends with the dragons. Cause that's like a part of the game. I just want to drop all my D and D games. I just want to play Ryutama. Um, thanks Kate. I don't I think I've heard it. of this game. I, I think you would really dig on the idea of it. Um, it's very crunchy for a game that is very much about like friendship and surviving and traveling and, you know, the friends we made along the way. It is very, very crunchy mechanics. It's insane. I, I really want to play it, though. I've only played a couple like one or two one shots. And ugh. anyways, that's a whole other podcast. We'll get into that uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe in the break. But for me, um, I've been reading a handful of things. I did read Dracula Motherfucker. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, I that I just won't bring up. I'm just gonna say that. Uh, and then, I, yeah, yeah. Spice cakes. I just I don't have anything really super positive or negative to say about it. I'm just very mad about some things, namely that it was fifteen dollars for a digital collection of seventy pages, and I'm like, 
Hmm. I have some some frustrations Mike about that. Delivering the hot take about how he's not going to give us the hot take. I love. I love it. <laughs> well, it's I, like a- it, it, listen, it's not productive. I don't. I you know, if you want to hear me complain, I'll I'll jump on Discord and just yell into a microphone for a half hour. Okay. Um. But what I do want to talk about is a book that I did read called. Uh, I also read called Ron in the Gray World, uh, Volume One. This is by Aki Iri. Uh, it's a super whimsical book about this younger girl who's like ten or eleven who just wants to be grown up. And she has these magical shoes that allow her to become an older version of herself. So she puts the shoes on and she becomes like a 17 or 18 year old girl. Um, and the reason why, like, I, I actually read this and I didn't really like it. But the the story goes on as she's trying to, as Ron is just getting into these weird circumstances where she puts the shoes on and something crazy happens because they're magical and we find out that like her brother has this coat that turns him into a wolf and her dad can turn into a crow and it turns out her mom is like this super powerful mega sorceress who sits on a door that blocks all of the evil from another dimension from entering our dimension but every once in a while you know she wants to go see her family or she wants to go take a bath and so she's not constantly sitting on this door and there's there's more to the story than that but um it's it's a really interesting book because it's beautiful like the art is so incredibly beautiful um it, i was really floored by, by it and i like i said i read through it and i was like yeah i don't know if the rest of this is for me and then i was talking to some people about it um because i'm in another book club for like some folks that work at amazon and um they were like, yeah, you read this story and when you actually take back, take a step back and look at it, you realize that Ron's whole thing is that she wants to be grown up. She wants to be like her brother. She wants to be like her dad. She wants to be like her mom and actually be a magic user who can like be part of this circle of people, but she's too young. She's constantly told she's too young to be performing magic, too young to be doing this, too young to be doing that. She just wants to be grown up. Um, and so after some discussion, I was like, okay, it's only seven volumes. After one piece, anything is possible. So why don't I just read the rest of this series? Um, and apparently the story gets more direct and focused in this, in its storytelling because the first volume is kind of just like a series of one-shot stories and by the end of the volume you realize that they're starting to build on something bigger but that's the end of the volume um but yeah this this book is gorgeous and i think that if you like stuff like witch hat you'll probably like this um which is why i'm surprised that i didn't like this at first but after some people describing it to me it's like okay maybe i'll like the rest of it and it's only seven volumes uh there is some creep factor because like apparently i don't read a lot of jose manga but jose manga has this this trope of like an asshole or creepy kind of intimidating male interest of the main character who will always kind of be a little bit weird and gross and then it turns out that they're lovable or there's something wrong with them and that's why they're they deserve sympathy or something and uh, i'm like holy shit that's kind of weird but all the people who i talked to were like no no that's just a normal thing and i was like that's really weird um it's not okay but it's really weird and uh, there's a guy who's in this story who kind of gets a little bit too, like, close to Ron. It's like she's like 11 years old, but she looks like she's 18. And like, so like she has the kind of like, I don't want to say like, she has like the mental faculties of like 11 year old who just wants to like have fun and, you know, play with people versus this guy who's like, hey, um, why don't you let me put my hand on your thigh? And she's like, um, no, I'm going to leave. And then she flies away because she's magical. So, um. It's a little odd in that sense. But anyways, th- that book was it was fun. It's interesting. Um, and I, I'm probably going to keep reading it, even though I wasn't a huge fan of it at first, just to see where the story goes, because it's only seven volumes. Um, and yeah, the only other thing I'll talk about really quick is uh, I want to give my one piece update. Um, so Xander, go ahead and roll the clip. I know what you're up to. Yeah, 
You want to be the king, huh? For this week, I am on chapter 961. I just got caught up to 960, taking my time, trying to get to 999 when the series comes out at 999. So um, I feel like I have some time. I'm going to be sitting on like 998 probably for a very long time once I eventually get caught up because this book is slow going. But I did see someone posted in our Discord that uh, Oda uh, said that he was going to be really diligent about getting the rest of the chapters out for this book um, because he has no excuse or something. So I'm hopefully we'll see more One Piece. But anyways, moving on, let's talk about comic books that are coming out. Comic books are dropping on October 28th, 2020. I think I have that date right. Uh, what are you guys excited for this week? Let's uh, let's start with you, Kate. I uh, wanted to give a quick shout out to The Girl from the Other Side, Volume 9 by Nagabi. We've yeah. talked about this a lot pretty recently, um, but I just wanted to say Volume 9 is coming out. Yes. And I have Volume 7 out from the library right now, so I'm a little bit behind, but I'm really glad that this just keeps coming. I, I tried to look up uh, how many volumes there are going to be if there was any kind of plan for like a stopping point or anything when i first Mm -hmm. found this series i thought that it was only like four volumes which is one of the reasons that i grabbed it because i was like this is like not really a commitment but i'm really glad that it just keeps going so yeah um so when i was researching this i found that there was like some mention of an anime adaptation online um and i tried to like dig into that and see if it was going to be longer at all or anything but all I could find was like this this uh, news report of a 10 minute short that was released with volume eight in Japan. And I couldn't find the, the whole short, but I did find like a trailer for it and like a small clip. Um, and they're really beautiful. It's got it's like this really unique animation style. With, uh, it's got a low frame rate, but the art is very true to the books. Like and it's it's in color, but the colors are like really muted um there's a couple of pages at the beginning of volume one that are in color just to like set the tone and the colors Mm -hmm. really match that really well from what i can from what i can recall (laughs) so if you have a if you have a moment though the links for those are in our our show notes or i'm sure that you could just google them um but they were really beautiful just they're less than a minute uh anyway i i also am kind of looking forward to uh an adaptation of frankenstein by mary shelley the adaptation is by m chandler this is coming out from um manga classics which is like a whole thing and i didn't realize that i love adaptations into graphic novels or manga and uh this is like like a whole i don't know if it's a whole company or if it's like all that this one creator does or something but there's probably like 15 like classic um literature pieces that have been adapted by this this company into manga and i'm so excited about it there's so much of it and i don't know how i didn't know about this before yeah i'm Um, looking at the site right now like i must have missed them at new york city comic-con last year or something because this is this is bizarre. There's a ton of these books. <laughs> yeah, like they've got The Count of Monte Cristo, Pride and Prejudice, Dracula, Jane Eyre, like it's all over the place. Like there's they like jump across genres as to what they're adapting and like I'm really interested to see if it's a like one-to-one adaptation or if they like cut down some of the content because like The Count of Monte Cristo is huge. It would be an undertaking to ad- uh, adapt this in any way, let alone mm-hmm. like sentence by sentence. Um, 
So I'm like, if if the Count of Monte Cristo, Cristo has been adapted and like cut down a little bit, maybe that's the way that I want to like imbibe that story as opposed to trying to read the prose book, um, which right, has been right. on my to read list forever. So um, in terms of the the Frankenstein that's coming out, though, I, I loved that prose book uh, when I was in school. Like I it was assigned reading. But it was such a quick and engaging read that I that I'm always drawn to new adaptations of Frankenstein. So I'm probably going to start with this one once I start digging into what this company has done. Cool. Yeah, you'll have to let us know what if there's if there's anything else worth reading there. Because um, yeah, I've I've always wanted to read Count of Monte Cristo, but uh, it's a it's a big old yeah. book. Yeah, it's a brick. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what about you, Nick? What are you excited for this week? Well, I mean, first off, please let me know when they adapt The Sound in the Fury, because if there's <laughs> an opportunity that I'll actually oh understand that work at some point, I'm always eagerly, I'm up for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm Because that would prove that maybe someone else actually understood it at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah. As for, as for what I'm looking forward to, um, I think Mike and I are always engaged in this game of chicken when it comes to what book we're picking for this week, because like, yeah, yeah. so like it's turned into like it started as checkers and now it's chess because I was so certain he was going to pick Lazarus Risen 5. We even talked about Lazarus Risen 5 a few days ago. I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, I Mm -hmm. need to prepare for this. And then he doesn't pick it this week. So I have two. I will just do both very briefly then because I already (coughs) did this. Um briefly yep so lazarus risen 5 is coming out really 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 excited for this book not super pumped about the 7.99 price tag uh attached um i know this is a little bit of a hot take but i'll say it like (sighs) i don't need all the extra stuff i'm sure someone else loves having the story in the back and the RPG supplement in the back. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy to see that they're putting out more content for their RPG. That's fantastic. I don't need all that stuff. Take the stuff out, put it in the trade, lower the, lower the issue, lower the price of the issue down to maybe something like six bucks and, and, and we'll talk. Um, It's also really weird because when you consider how big these issues are, and you consider how infrequently they're coming out, they're almost on a trade schedule, but they're not trades. You know what I mean? Like it's Well they they intentionally move to a a quarterly schedule. Yeah, I'm saying that was a mistake. Um <laughs> <laughs> Right. I understand. I, it was a bad idea. Um I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't understand why they wouldn't just even switch to to trades because at this point why not just go full trade i think people just get nervous about you know if our book is only coming out you know in trades maybe it doesn't have that public visibility factor that single issues sort of remind people of i don't know mm-hmm. anyway uh, very excited I, there's there's a lot of yeah that's a whole discussion i won't itself, fall so. down that rabbit hole i will say we're gonna have lazarus paying a visit to the moray family which if you are current with lazarus that is a very exciting thing um very exciting thing should be super good also i want to say we've got colonel weird cosmogog number one coming out this of course is part of the black hammer series from jeff lemire very excited for this book i will say this like it's been over a year since we've had a quote-unquote main series entry for black uh hammer i keep wanting to say black magic that's greg rucka nick you already talked about a greg rucka book you can't bring up another immediately um 
I all of these side issue things, like I thought they were great. Most of them are really solid books, but I liked them functioning as a supplement to the main book. And so just kind of having all of these side stories rolling out one after another, like I miss having that driving force of the main book. Yeah, um, I agree. That said, Tyler Crook, absolutely fantastic artist. Jeff Lemire, totally, totally, totally is always working with some of the best names and and best artists out there that exist. And Tyler Crook for me is is his work on Harrow County, his work on BPRD, absolutely fantastic. Um, so at, at at the very least, I'm on a visual, you know, aesthetically speaking, I'm super pumped for this book. Yeah. Well, for me this week, I was going to pick uh, Colonel Weird Cosmogog, actually, Nick. And the oh, next my God. Don't don't play so, with me on this. No. So, <laughs> well, so here's the thing. I haven't been keeping up on Lazarus because I'm like, it, the book comes out so infrequently. There's so much story. I'm just going to read all of Lazarus Risen after five comes out and just be like, OK, I'm caught up. You know, this is like this is like once in future. I've been trying to read that book month to month. I'm just like, there's so much arthurian bullshit in this book that i can't read it month to month i have to read it when it comes out same with east of west there, there are a lot of books that come out like this that i'm just like how far back it. are you on lazarus though i i was i read lazarus one, risen number one and two that was it you should at least read the first arc of fractured so one through three of fractured or the first arc four is a standalone issue this next one coming out begins the second arc of fractured. So you could at least, you should at least read the first arc of fractured. Sure. Um, Well, either way, either way. I mean, like what I'm trying to say is sometimes it's like, I get it. Some of these books are like really dense and I don't know why they come out as, as actual single issues. They should just come mm -hmm. out as trades. Like East of West should have been a series of graphic novels, not a fucking like ongoing series. That is the hardest book to read in single issues. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, anyways, that's let's that's just open that. Yeah, we're just we're just opening up all of these Pandora's. Someone, someone better be taking notes on there on future episodes that they want to hear us, you know, rant about. <laughs> um, so the book that I want to talk about really quick uh, for this week that I'm excited for is Tartarus number six. This is by Johnny Christmas with a guest artist. Oh, for this arc, uh, Andrew Cronkey. Uh, previously, uh, in this series, the art was done by someone else whose name I didn't write down. Um, but it was really, it was really unique. It was very, it reminded me a lot of like, uh, like almost like Frank quietly, but even more absurd and insane. Um, and this art looks for Andrew, Andrew Cronkey. I think we've seen him on other books, uh, looks a little bit more traditional, like, western comics um but either way it, it might, looks like he's going to be a guest artist for this this current arc um looks like they were going to see a big old fight between circa and hisa unless you're reading this book none of that really matters like tartarus is a book that i can't explain to you tartarus is such a complicated series that i don't think i could do it justice by telling you and trying to catch you up so all i want to say is that i'm excited for issue number six um there's it i don't know the the only other thing i'll say is you know this book is really really complex but it's really compelling um there's a lot of wild stuff it kind of reminds me of michael Marisi's uh uh roche limit series that he did with the three independent oh, uh, miniseries boy. <laughs> where there's like there's a lot of sci-fi crazy shit going on and you have to be paying attention to really get it. And I think that's where Tartarus is. And I think Johnny Chris is doing a great job. I really enjoyed the first arc reading it all in one go. 
Um, and I think that that's probably going to be similar for this upcoming arc. So I'll, I'll probably sit down and read this when it comes out, but I'll likely just wait for the rest of the arc to finish. Real quick, I want to shout out Jagiga number one actually coming out this week. Tia mentioned it on an episode a few weeks back. I'm very, very excited for number one. And I think a lot of people on the Internet are also excited about this. It's coming from Volt Comics. And uh, the last book I'll mention is Hot Valley Days and Cocaine Nights. Number one, I actually have no interest in this book. I just can't <laughs> believe that a book is called Hot Valley Days and Cocaine Nights. And uh, you have to say it like that. It's legally mandated. Uh, <laughs> anyways, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about our Goodreads Book of the Month uh, for, our, for the month of October, and uh, which was uh, a pretty fun little book called uh, Something is Killing the Children, Volume 1. So we'll be back in just a second. For our show this week, we are talking about our Goodreads book of the month, Something is Killing the Children, Volume 1, as voted on by our wonderful friends and family over at the Goodreads group on Goodreads.com. So if, you, if you're if you not already a member, you should go over there and join it. Uh, this is written by T- James Tinian IV, uh, with art by Werther Delandra, colors by Mikel Muerto, and letters by Andward Design. This is published by Boom Studios. Um, I want to say... Yeah, what a what a book! Thank you for everyone who voted on this and the person who nominated this. I didn't actually pull that up, but um, this was an interesting, interesting read. Uh, I want to say one thing before we get started. Thanks to the folks listening on Discord. Thanks, Danny. You're cool. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, we're recording this episode and we're having people listen live. So if you want to do that in the future, make sure to join the Discord at ircbpodcast.com/discord. But let's get into this. Let's talk about the Goodreads Book of the Month. Um, Kate, what did you think of this book? What did you think of Something is Killing the Children? Uh, I don't think that you mentioned this is going to be full spoilers, so I'm just going to like shuffle Ooh, in here you. and remind you about it, that. It's um, only been five years on the show, <laughs> and you know I forget every single time. Thank you. And this is all available on Hoopla, too. So if you haven't read this yet and want to pause for a little while and go read that and then come back, that that's uh, available. Um, I, I really liked this book. I think we heard really good things about this when it first started. So Brian and I collected the first five volume, uh, five, geez, five issues, um, Mm -hmm. in print. So even though this is all available on Hoopla and also as a volume, I finally read our, our print single issues that have been sitting around for a while now. Um, and this, I really enjoyed this. I am kind of glad that I waited to read it until it was like spooky fall time. Um, I feel like adding something to my, like the physical experience of reading comics really helps me get into the atmosphere of the comic. And just like, I mean, I mean, it was daytime and I wasn't like, um, uh, sometimes I like to like uh, drink a certain kind of tea or something to like compliment the book and i wasn't really drinking anything special but just it being chilly and like the leaves falling outside the, the window and everything it really contributed to the like like hmm something hinky's going on here <laughs> like, so you got really you got really <laughs> atmospheric with your read yeah um and i i liked it i mean it is a horror book and uh i don't really take to like really bloody comics very very quickly or very easily but um this one, I didn't feel like the blood was like gratuitous in it. There is like a monster that kills children in it, so like it is a spoiler <laughs> as a as a title. I mean, the, the title is a, a spoiler. 
yeah. Um, so there, there are like bodies and and blood and and gore and violence and everything, but it's it's definitely like a um like the monster is the bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to take the monster out. Like there isn't anything that I felt like crossed a line um, in terms of of bloodiness. So sure. I think that I'm probably going to continue with um, the the single issues that will make up volume two or on Hoopla. So I think I'm going to continue the series that way probably in the next week or so, because mm-hmm. I really, there is a whole lot of world building in this and there's there's enough of it to really make me intrigued in volume one but none of it is explained so yeah well what's i mean nancy from the goodreads group said the world building is intriguing as you can't help but wonder at erica there's another character in the book's past and her intentions uh there are hints that she belongs to a society of monster killers which like that's a whole other piece of this right so we meet this you know we meet our main character the little boy um uh james and then we also end up meeting this character erica as their stories eventually cross paths um and she's got a whole ordeal down where she's just killing things with machetes and she's getting phone calls from someone we don't know who it is and she's talking to a little like fluffy squid that turns (laughs) out to be something else like this book is all over the place with questions and and like things that you just kind of had to roll with in order to get to the main plot of the story of there's a monster and we need to kill it. You know, Nick, what, what did you think of this book? Well, I mean, it was an octopus. It wasn't a squid. So I guess we oh, know, I guess we know who really read the book. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a stuffed animal. I mean, it, it, it was, was a stuffed animal. It, it doesn't was, matter. It was a um, shape. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I, I enjoyed this book. I didn't think it was amazing. I think, part of the issue was I feel like it was getting so much press and so much attention and oh yeah um and just sort of on the periphery of all the comic book news I sometimes wade through on Twitter like this was showing up a lot a lot a lot a lot and and I think in some ways I think it had um it was by the time I sat down to read it um it was having to live up to this massive amount of of praise and adulation that i'd been seeing um which that's always tough to do um yeah it's it's super violent and it's not to say that i don't i don't relish reading super violent books but obviously i do read other books that tend to be um, you know, have graphic depictions of violence in them. Um, yeah, weren't you mentioning Rye earlier? Yeah. I mean- <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that's I was gonna, you know, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm not gonna be hypocritical when I say, you know, oh, I don't read books like this, or I don't, you know, um, other books that I enjoy contain similar elements, but it is a little bit more disturbing in the sense that it's just very visceral, violent acts towards you know kids, youths, um. Sure which I think makes it, you know, a little bit more disturbing. I think, you know, somewhat in like, you know, media, there's kind of like a non-spoken rule that like maybe, you know, if anyone's going to get hurt, like let it be the adults, don't let it be the animals and don't let it be the children. You know what I mean? Like there's sort of that unspoken trope that uh, if anyone's going to be hurt, like they need to be, you know, you know, an adult. So, so definitely that's kind of rough because there's some real, you know, people are getting like bisected you know torn in half and whatnot um which is kind of hard to get through i think at some points uh i i think tonally the book 
you know, starting with this like terrifying open panel of like somebody, you know, being like truth or dare. And the way that they angle that open opening panel, it's like of someone like basically like leaning over the top of the reader. And, you know, there's nothing more terrifying than people like violating my personal space. So like right off right away, I was like, oh, no, what is this book like? please the horror is six, claustrophobia. maintain six feet please more would be better <laughs> six feet more like six meters please um yeah. so yeah right out of the gate pretty scary um another thing i thought that was kind of interesting and just sort of it's kind of a tangent but it's sort of interesting to see this in books um when you see erica and she's got her flip phone and she's sort of dealing navigating with that first call from her boss whomever whatever um, it's interesting because it started to make me think about how we use, um, technology as its own sort of unspoken signifier, right? So I guess what I'm saying is like, when you look at her using the cell phone, I saw that and went, oh, a flip phone. Interesting, right? Like, is this a period piece? And we're looking at a comic taking place in maybe 2002, 2001, or right. is this a signifier that this is someone who doesn't care about technology, who doesn't keep up on those things um, and has a flip phone? Or is this someone who, like, you know, doesn't carry around a nice phone because they're in the business of, you know, you know, destroying monsters? And when you're in that business, you want a Nokia that you can drop down seven flights of stairs. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I just found that really interesting. Like, that was the small tangent my brain took when I saw that. And it whether or not Tinian was trying to evoke any of those things, uh, who knows? But again, death of the author interpretation is whatever you make of it. Um, I found that interesting and probably me. Yeah. So, I mean, I, this book was not what I expected it to be. I, I, for some reason expected it to be a little bit more actiony. Um, I, I, which is not bad. Like I, I thought that the creep factor of this book was interesting. I've, I have been watching um a lot of classic horror films, um, that have like just a single path, right? Like I watched The Fly the other day, and the story in that movie is very single path. There's no twists. There's no nothing. It is just this man becomes one with the fly the end right (laughs) so you know watching this it's like this this too has a very straightforward path there is a monster we must kill it um and i don't think that that's bad i think that actually makes for a really good horror story um and i'm not someone that is a huge fan of horror but as i watch and consume more over my 32 years of life like you start to understand kind of how a lot of these things work and i think if you take this book as a classic horror story and then add some comic book elements to it you know like the scene the inside the octopus seeing the angel or something i don't know what the fuck that is um and then like you know kids can only see this monster kind of plays off of this idea that of you know like there are plenty of stories where kids are the only people that can see villains in some ways um and I, I think that that whole thing adds to a, a layer of like fear, like it, I think, is one of that, those examples, right? Like you, you, you have like a mind that is able to understand the, the absurd and the inane, and therefore you can understand it. Um, Pippi Longstocking is another one. It's the one with the weird, crazy, like shitty clown or something that someone's imaginary best friend. You guys know what I'm talking about? This is a weird 80s movie reference that I don't think anybody got. No, I don't um, know that one. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I. 
I like that that portion of this book. Like, it, this is a thing that only affects kids because they're the only ones that can see it and understand it, and that they have the true fear of it. Whereas when you're an adult, you go, "Oh, something moving in the shadow. Oh, that's a, just a cat. Oh, that's just my coat got caught on some errant breeze." You know, like you you can rationalize a lot of this stuff, but because children have minds with more imagination, um, I think that 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 trope really works for this book. Um, Erica's mystery was was something that i was just like all right we've added enough layers tinian can we move on um but i i didn't dislike it i wanted to know more about this thing and i see why everyone wanted to buy these masks that she's wearing like the covid masks um with the teeth on it and stuff i thought that was pretty cool um and yeah the only thing that i i I did like the kind of twist on the 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 older brother who was looking for his sister um he gets hit in the head with some like piece of gold or something like the slaughterhouse gold or something and then he can see the monster because for some reason there's there's a whole bunch of lore here that gets dumped on us in the final chapter of the volume um all that stuff worked for me um i probably will only keep reading this in trade if i decide to like maybe i'll read it next halloween otherwise i don't have a lot of inclination to read this i thought the story overall was okay like it's not to me i don't understand the hype um that's usually what happens with a lot of these books but i thought pretty good looking book the art was a little bit wild for me in some places but um everything looked like it was layered with a like invisible denim on top of it that's not really for me um but yeah in- in- interesting book that that's my takeaway um i i think to to tinian's credit i i sort of get what you were saying at with the whole confusion over the the gold thing and i think that actually plays all the way back to issue one because you eventually see her um, pull the hair um, from over her, I think it's her left eye, and you see that she's got this weird yellow diamond on the side of her head, and I have to believe that that's where oh. she was poked with that same gold thing, um, with the idea being that if you you know gouge someone in the side of their head with this thing, that they can then see these creatures um if they're adults yeah there's a i'm looking at like yeah page like 97 when she's like hassling with the brother the the jock guy older brother yeah 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 she's got like a piece of gold in her head okay interesting yeah i guess i didn't notice that yeah i mean if, if if you go all the way back you can see that she's got some sort of marking on her head um yeah as well so um yeah it's i i i guess i would say for me, it's definitely this is one of those volume ones that feels like it is very much building a foundation. And like it's such a catch 22 thing, right? Because if you don't build a tight foundation upon which to like continue your series, you know, how well is that going to work for you? Um, but in the same vein, you have people who complain and go, oh, this whole book is just you know, basically putting all of the pieces in place and it doesn't really have a life of its own outside of just setting up a foundation. Like it doesn't, you know, and that's, it's such a tough like line to, to tread in terms of being engaging, but also setting things up in a way that isn't overwhelming because there are quite a few moving pieces in this book um, and a decent amount of characters to follow. Um, so that is, that is a little bit 
you know, it's, it's tough. I, I understand kind of the difficulty in, in doing that. And it sort of almost even has kind of a Twin Peaks vibe of this idea that you have this weird kind of quirky sort of outside of the conventional law. You've got this outsider coming in to sort of set things straight and they're investigating, you know, the murders of these youths. And so I'm not saying Twin Peaks has a, you know, ownership over that specific subgenre of of oh, work sure, 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 sure. but you can definitely see some sort of a some sort of a similarity there um as well yeah um also uh i i do find it very weird that the police are kind of okay or largely apathetic to the idea that she's presenting them with false identification um that's weird but it yeah. happens and they're like, yeah. yeah, this is a paper ID. That's kind of funny. And she's like, yeah, it is. And well, but it all gets sorted out when the, her boss or whatever calls. I mean, yeah, it's 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 kind of something we just have to roll with, yeah. right? Like, there's definitely a bigger story. There's like an Illuminati or something involved. I, you know, something bizarre. Uh, Kate, was there anything else that stood out to you with this book that you liked or didn't like? Um, I mean, I feel like we should talk about the art at some point. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I complained about it, so go ahead. <laughs> um, so I, I, Danny has mentioned the the colors, and I really enjoyed the like the tone of the colors in the book. I think that they were a really good um, selection that matched that matched the tone of the story. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely like anything that that any bright colors. I think would have really stood out. And I've seen like like some horror colored brightly before, but it's got to really be like a, like a you've got to dedicate yourself to it so i think that the choice oh, yeah. that they made here um was really good and i feel like we need to talk about erica's eyes um mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> they're constantly open and <laughs> yeah they're giant like i think i guess when she said to to tommy the guy that that, that came and tried to like like do justice for the 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 dead children and ended up just fucking everything up sorry messing everything up um, <laughs> um oh yeah we don't swear on this don't comic. swear on this show. <laughs> um <clears throat> i she mentioned that she's got to do something that's kind of painful so he can see the monsters and that's when he she like stabbed him in in the 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 temple with the gold pen thing mm-hmm. because of the way that her eyes look i thought that she was going to like pluck his eyes out and replace them with a different set of eyes or something mm. or like oh my like god put monster blood in his eyes and it would change the way that they look because her eyes are gigantic and then the like it's battle angel alita or something yeah like the irises are like golden and then the rest of her eyes are like they're they're not even off white they're like kind of yellow yeah um and then of course yeah. all around them is very all around her eyes it's very dark um so i was thinking that she was going to like like make this guy not i don't want to say like blind for a minute or something but man i was really expecting him to to get real messed up <laughs> i thought she was going to gouge out his eye and to be honest at yeah. the beginning at the beginning of the book when they kept covering her one eye with hair i was like i'm waiting for it but we are going to find out that she is either missing that other eye or like like that part of her face is like super disfigured or something so i was totally mm-hmm. shocked when they pulled the hair back and there was another eye and i was like okay was fashion. okay 
like bait and switch. I totally thought yeah. we were going to have like an eye patch or a missing eye or something, something, especially, you know, being someone who, who fights and hunts monsters. I was like, you know, m- m- single missing eye is cool. Eye patches are cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. There, there um, is a theme. There is a theme about eyes in this book because the first time that we see Erica, she's with this kid who's missing an eye and like most of their limbs. Um, and then we we've got the octopus uh, creature stuffed stuffed animal that is missing an eye, and then her yeah. eye is covered. And then there is also like a like a side character that Tommy is talking to at some point, and her, one of her eyes is covered. So there's just like a whole thing about eyes. Right, right. And then also when that. you see the creepy board meeting, the cutaway to the creepy board meeting where everyone has their yeah. stuffed animals on the table, which is probably the one panel of this book where I'm like. This is the thing that might keep me reading more. Like that single shot. I was like, what is going on here? What is this about? This is what I want to know more about. Everybody in that picture has a weird sparkling glimmer coming from their eyes, which you would have to Mm -hmm. believe they all look to be adults. Probably the eye thing is the fact that they've all also, you know, had somebody, you know, stab a a, a uniball pen into the side of their temple too. (laughs) Or something, um, yeah. So, yeah. Also, the giraffe on the table kind of made me think of Blade Runner with the uh, origami, but that was probably just me being like, oh, interesting, small animals on tables somehow equals Blade Runner, whatever. Um, yeah, th- well, there's like this, there's this thing where they've all got like this, this dragon symbol, Right, like that's right. that was on the guy's hand and in the guy's eye, and between all the chapter markers, I read it in collections. So, like yep. between each chapter, there was like a, a page that had like this dragon symbol, and each of them have their own bears or tricks. You think they all have their own like little non-demons that are demons or something? Um, I don't know. There's there's more, obviously, a lot more to this world. There's also just, like there was also a woman that she talked to getting off the bus and this woman's face was really sunken and her eyes looked yeah. too big and there was like a tattoo on her cheek or something and because of all of the other little pieces of world building dropped throughout this book i'm wondering if that woman is like the glory of this buffy story basically like she's actually someone else <laughs> that's just like has a ma- like a like a face a, a mask of a different face on uh-huh uh-huh i mean maybe i don't i it looks like she just has like sunken cheekbones or something yeah she could but, just be an elderly woman but uh she could also be a monster with the with the with the flesh suit on maybe maybe yeah i mean some other folks in the goodreads group compared this to uh, a buffy story like an r-rated buffy story i think nancy mentioned that and then whitney said you know i definitely felt the r-rated buffy vibes erica is a buffy who is in her 30s and so very tired of the death she has the black eye circles to prove it her job is brutal <laughs> and she has to look at dead children every day her yeah. bosses really seem like the annoying watchers council like i can i can totally see that On like point. as as like a very serious like buffy who travels the you know the coasts or travels the country to try to save children instead of killing vampires like that that makes sense but i don't know there's there's definitely like some sort of weird monster illuminati going on which i kind of i kind of took in as to be like maybe they accidentally set these monsters out in the world and now they're trying to fix it um maybe i don't know uh, that's just my my pet theory. Who knows? When I read this next volume next year, uh, I'll let you, I'll report back to you guys. There was a couple of little things that I wanted to point out too. Just um, yeah, yeah. so 
it, basically in that same scene when Erica is getting off the bus, there's this missing children board that's just covered in, in posters of missing children at the bus stop. And I thought that that was a really great way to show really quickly how many how many children are missing without actually like taking us out of the main character story. Mm hmm. Um, and then also, uh, one of the covers is possibly one of my favorite co- covers ever. I think it was the cover of issue number five and Erica's like got, uh, a weapon raised above her head. She's jumping down from the top right corner of the cover. And then there's just like a little bit of the monster in the bottom left corner. And it's just so perfectly balanced. Hmm. And like the use of like quote unquote white space in the background is, is just, it's so well done. Like it draws your eyes to like both subjects and I don't know, just graphic design. Good job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I, and that's, that kind of brings us to another point. I think Kate, you wanted to, you were talking about earlier is like, you know, Werther de Leandre's like art is, is pretty good. I mean, I, I, there was like this texturizing of the, of the, of the art that maybe wasn't for me in some places. Like it felt like it was very just like everything had a ton of lines and texture and dots and all this other stuff. But um, on the whole though, like the book's very well done. I think like the monsters are terrifying and that the very yeah. action packed scenes feel like very, you feel them, you, you understand like the pain and you, and the, and the like thumping of legs and things like that. And it's, it's quite a bit it's it's a lot um but i don't know like it was it was okay in some pages like i think there's some stuff that i was kind of just like all right we're just doing like some weird stylized thing like there's a big conversation between what's his name tommy and his mom and i'm just like faces and faces and faces and i was just like this could have been done a little bit a little bit faster i don't know oh my god i think i counted that that was 25 panels and but, i mean we don't we don't punish other books for that. So I don't want to say that the number of panels was bad. I just like, I don't know. That scene just felt like a lot. And the art was just, it didn't. I I mean, I'm glad you brought this up because it means I don't have to be the one who brings this up or at least I don't (laughs) have to be the one to kick down the door. I'm just the one who gets to walk in after you. Um, And this is not to, to, say anything about Werther obviously I don't I don't think I mean I don't know I don't know what level level of collaboration is going on here in terms of page layouts there's nothing wrong with the majority of the page layouts in this book they're simple they're intuitive there's nothing wrong with squares and rectangles you know not everything needs to be really unconventional not everything needs to be Gideon Falls end of story um (laughs) and that's fine and that's fine um that said, if you want to stick to rectangles and squares, again, I can't emphasize this enough. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't need 25. I don't need a 25 panel page conversation. Trim up the conversation or give me less text in each panel or something like that. Because I, when I hit this page in the book, my eyes completely glazed over. And then I immediately said, you know what, we're going to read this and I'm going to see whether or not I think there was any reason to have this play out for as long as it does and as dense as it does. And it doesn't. It doesn't. And there are about three or four other pages in this book that are guilty of the exact same thing. And maybe I'm not patient enough anymore. I don't know. Maybe like four or five years ago, I'd have been like, oh, there's a lot to read here. I better take this all in. Maybe I've reached a point where I just don't, I don't know. 
it, yeah. it was too much. Yeah, I mean, some some pages like that, I mean, you, I think you can convey the same feeling with less. I mean, like, Nick, we, 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 we sat down and read some old Brian Michael Bendis comics. Like, <laughs> yeah. we know that there's, like, what, what, the, what the definition of bad is in that regard. But, um, yeah, that, that page is a lot. I mean, like, I'm just looking, just kind of skimming through the book right now. And, like, the art, like, there are pages where I'm just like, shit, that looks really good, right? And there are some pages where it just felt like, I don't know, like, there was like the faces feel weird or like the layout is weird or like, like, I don't know. Some of it just didn't work for me in some places. I don't know. What, Kate, what did you think of the art? Um, I mean, I, I think that it, I mean, it really contributed to like the tone of the story, I guess it's really unusual. So it did take me a, well, I mean, I would say not even a couple of pages. Like it's not a type of art that I'd normally be drawn to. I mean, like I was reading the tea dragon society. So, Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's very different but um i i mean it worked so well that aside from the weird eyes i i mean it helped me just get into the story yeah yeah i mean it is it is creepy like i i do think that the art does a great job of making you feel uneasy like danny you danny made a point in the discord you know uh he said sometimes the layouts and the art made me feel uneasy and i i absolutely agree with that like i think some of the angles like nick was saying at the beginning of the book like with the character standing over another one like that's just intimidating like that just sets the book off to be like you're gonna feel a little uncertain about a lot of things in this book so like i totally get that but like I don't know. Some of it, I was just like, I don't know. It, it just didn't. It just didn't feel right. Like there's the whole they're in the house depot thing, um, and they're trying to buy stuff. And some of the facial expressions are just a little odd. Like who gets their face that deep inside of a coat? I don't know. The naked man scene. <laughs> I'm just again just giving to the book. Like did, I really want to say, did, you know, the moment there's a moment in the book where uh, the police officer's talking to like the medical examiner, and I for some reason just immediately cast the medical examiner as Greg Grunwald. Greg Grunwald. Did anybody else do that? Did J.J. Abrams direct this book? Is that what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> Greg Grunberg? Greg Grunberg. That's what I meant. Yeah. He's GG something. This is also a Star Wars book now. Um, <laughs> anyways, sorry. Really weird joke. No, uh, I got it. But yeah. No one else did. Any, 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 I guess we're going to run out of tape here pretty quick. Um, despite my 30 minute rant in the middle of the break. Um, do you guys uh, want to make any final moments or final points about this book? Uh, do you I think, think you'll keep reading? I do. I do think that I'm going to keep reading and probably like tonight. Um, <laughs> okay. wow. I didn't read past that because I did, I wanted to like make sure that only volume one was in my head. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, like I said, I think that's a really perfect book for fall. I think that this did, did get a lot of recognition and I've, I have liked uh, James Tenian's like independent work for a while um i read um oh gosh he put out one i think it was like his very first book that was more or less independent that wasn't part of a larger series and i love the woods um i think it was the backstagers yeah i haven't read okay. that yet but that's a to read list um but yeah i mean this creator is just putting out like consistently good work for me um and i think i i think i met him at a comic-con and he was a pretty nice guy yeah yeah um, so yeah so i keep i plan to keep going with the series with the creator yeah i'm in okay what about you nick what What are your final thoughts on this i mean between this and the woods i don't 
I mean, high school is a tough enough time for most people, so I don't know why James Tinian seems obsessed with making these people even more miserable than they probably already are. Um, Yeah. yeah. That said, um, I will probably try volume two when it is collected. I think waiting and seeing what the full payoff is in volume two, like I'm willing to say, let's give this the benefit of a doubt. Let's see kind of the payoff as we start to see the pieces move around the board. Why do I want to keep talking about chess? I don't know. Chess on the brain, whatever. I don't know. Um, Art wise. I, I think it is sort of, again, it's like really tough to ride that line between getting an artist who's capable of really channeling the horror moments properly, but then knowing how to like turn that off and turn it down for the moments in the book that don't really require that. Cause I feel like some artists that you get can do the horror part really well, but then sort of that weird horror, either aesthetic kind of like leaks into this, the normal day-to-day stuff of the book. And it's like, okay, what's going on? Or you get the really good person who can do the day-to-day stuff, but really can't turn the horror up to 11 when the book requires it. And I think that this book does manage to walk that line well enough and that the scary horror elements um, are, I don't know, they didn't like, it wasn't super like tropey in terms of like, you know, scary horror signifiers, or I find that the art style isn't like super tropey in terms of like falling into what I would consider like a conventional horror aesthetic. Um, It's still pretty, in terms of the colors and, and, and the art style, it's like pretty bright and stylized and yet still, very scary um which i i do think is unique um but i will i am interested to see how all of this plays out i mean who knows after volume two but i am interested to see the execution um with the with the following volume um yeah i mean i i think i'm pretty much in the same boat as you nick like i'm i'm gonna wait for the next trade to come out um i don't think this is a book i'm gonna search out unless it's really like in my face or someone asks me hey what did you think of volume two then maybe i'll sit down and read it because all in all this this wasn't a hard read it wasn't a over complicated read obviously i missed like two big like red herrings in the book or two big obvious pieces of of lore that i shouldn't have missed like when the woman when erica pulls back her hair and there's a gold thing on her head i just didn't see that um but like overall like yeah i i agree with you nick like it's a bright book that has horror elements um and there are some pages again that the art really works and some pages that it just doesn't so like i'm really in the middle on it um so i i think i'll probably again try this when the next arc or volume gets collected but i'm not in a hurry to read it um though i will say i finished this volume and immediately was going to go try to buy one of those like face coverings from this because i want to be a part of the cool kids club um but beyond that yeah it's just like it's it's an interesting book um and it definitely was not what i expected it to be um i didn't expect it to be so much lore there be so much lore there to be so much lore um and yeah so we'll see if if kate if you report back that it's really really good maybe i'll dig into it um but not that not necessarily seeking it out um just as someone who doesn't read a lot of horror and thought it was just you know pretty good like 3.5 stars out of five um well, yeah, I guess thanks to everyone, you know, for, for voting on this and for all the folks on Goodreads who put this together. Uh, I want to say thank you to Phil who nominated this and Aaron who seconded it. So thank you guys for putting this into the nomination and thanks to everyone else who put up nominations for this month's poll. Get 
on the Goodreads right now. We're going to be putting up uh, nominations. I think nominations are up right now for um, next month's book of the month. And uh, or we're doing voting or something. I can never remember. I can never keep this stuff straight. But if you're not in the Goodreads group, you should make sure to go join that. Um, it's it's a really fun time, and we you know we do a month a show every other month. And if you want to listen to the odd months when or the even months, what month is this? If you want to listen to the opposite months where we don't have them on the public feed, we do also talk about the Goodreads book of the month on the Patreon, which you can join at ircbpodcast.com/patreon. But anyways, um, you can follow us all on the internet. You can follow Nick at death star plans you can follow kate at kate elfier and you can follow me at mike rappin and you can follow the show at ircb podcast on twitter and instagram this show and our many subscriber only episodes are powered by fans like you on patreon you can join now at patreon.com forward slash ircb podcast and if you haven't already please rate and review our show five stars on apple podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts Join us on Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord and make sure to tell a friend or two about the show. Yeah, we're going to try to do more of these live recordings. So if you're interested, make sure to be on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. That's when we usually record. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a very cool guy, someone that edits the show. And, you know, he's just a fun person to hang out with and have a conversation with. Uh, Until next time, I want to say thank you to Nick and Kate for being on this episode. Thank you to the folks on Discord, mostly just Danny, for being here listening to the live episode. And remember, comics are good, and so are you. And also thank you for listening to the show. I didn't say that part, but thank you. And actually, since we're recording, I I really want to talk about this thing really quick. There's a book coming out called Weed Magic number four. Um, and it's from Bliss on Tap Publishing. I mentioned this a little bit before we started recording. I just want to say that Xander, don't put this in the middle of the episode. Put it or beginning of the episode. Put it at the end. Uh, <laughs> the description is rescuing a talking chimpanzee from an animal testing facility. Check. Smoking out Jesus. Check. Defeating a 420 foot woman terrorizing Hollywood. Check. What adventures await in Weed Magic Number Four? It's time for a road trip to Las Vegas. I, I don't know why this book exists. All I know is that it's 28 pages and it costs $4.20. <laughs> I was going to say, so, like, please, God, like, please, if the price is not four twenty, like, right. what are you even doing at that Man, point? The cover, the cover is amazing. I'm posting this in Discord. It's beautiful. <laughs> um anyways okay that's that's all i want to do for that uh let's uh let's do the show xander put that at the in the at the end i can't do any more of these cold opens they're killing me that is obviously clearly a fear and loathing and loss oh yeah yeah what i've got music oh sorry i (laughs) what i was like zencaster Zencaster has this thing where you could play like (laughs) like little fills and stuff like listen to this (laughs) <laughs> I was like, "Wow, he's really he's really uh, kicked the intro up a notch." This is like, yeah, I'm getting we're pulling Xander out of the editing process, and instead, it's just going to be me just using like Phil's like. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, I don't know if you can hear those fills and stuff, but it's.
I feel like I, I I feel like you're now that morning radio show on Parks and Rec. Um, Dude, I all I want to do is be a radio show announcer. Like you're listening to IRCB Radio. I'm your host Mike Rappin, and I'm joined by the one and only Fartnin Nick White. And then know. it's just Sorry. two straight minutes of soundboard effects. Yeah, it's yeah exactly. Mike and the douche. <laughs> Oh, it's dramatic piano. <laughs> I love like you. Dramatic piano. I love you if, undercutting the piano that. with the drums. That was. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's do this thing. Now that we're good and warmed up, get ready. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs>